0: Javante
1: Craig's here. He's the new offensive coordinator of the New England Patriots.
0: Let's, yeah, <laughs> look who decided to show up and not be on the Lolita Express, Craig. Craig's <laughs> here. Uh, we've got the A team rolling out tonight. It's the classic four of us. It's Shane, Ryan, Tony, Craig, Craig. We're all here hanging out. Uh it's wild card weekend. We've made it this far. Uh regular season's over. We did it. Um congrats guys. It was a great year. It's weird, man. It's really oh, yeah. bizarre to like like Ryan said
1: it in like May. Hey, it's going to be over sooner than you know it. I'm like, "Oh shit, we really are here."
0: Yeah, I learn every year it sucks. <laughs> I know the the last second of the Super Bowl, I just used to hit like the biggest wave of like oh. ah yeah. but now I mean, that someone, I scout now that I scout I'm like who cares dude and, fuck it
1: and it never ends and someone like Ryan too is just a general sports enjoyer is literally busy the whole year right so he just goes into whatever's next.
0: Yeah Ryan yeah, um, check um, yeah you're checking golf scores basketball.
2: <laughs> yeah I'm already yeah golf started so I'm already betting on the second tournament every January they start off in Hawaii and they have, um, so they had the century tournament, uh, and that's on one of the islands. And then this weekend is the Sony open on the Island of Honolulu. And that's, that's like the beginning start to the golf season, the PGA tour every year. So, um, I didn't really do anything on the first tournament. Cause I wanted to see what guys were doing, but I did some fan duel lineups and, uh, Couple I have a couple of bets for guys to win uh this year. There's gonna be some good guys this year. Eric Cole, Taylor Montgomery.
0: Dude, for the for the next uh the next season, we gotta get together with AK Magic so he can teach us. There's a guy in our Discord that listens to the show, what up? Um that is like a cricket god. Okay. Like, him and and another guy, Peaky, it's in our Discord, made, like, hundreds of dollars on the World Cup, the Cricket World Cup. Damn. We got to get in on that. Um, Before we do our guys, I want to point out, so last week and this week have been kind of a a nightmare in my life. Um, My grandpa, 102, went to the hospital. He was kind of like my father figure growing up, so love him to death. Um, Turns out, it sounds like he had, like, a light heart attack and just, like, chilled. For a couple of weeks, <laughs> It's just like oh, chilling, yeah. um, and he's back home oh, now. What, He'll wait, what? What was that? Oh,
2: yeah. never mind.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. I'm watching a western, whatever. And so we're in the hospital, and uh, it was before the Bears Packers game. And the nurse comes in and she's talking to him, and she's like, "Oh, are you into sports? Because we're like in the hospital. That's like you could throw a football and hit the Northwestern football stadium up in evanston yeah and she's like oh you guys are football fans you guys were i'm assuming you guys are bears fans because i'm wearing a bears hoodie my mom's wearing a bears hoodie whatever and my grandpa's like yeah you know they're not very good but we love them and he's like you know my grandson's got a football podcast to the (laughs) nurse and i was like right on dude (laughs) let's go (laughs) so that that was fucking hilarious uh and then i watched the bears get the shit beat out of them by green bay with my family and it was just
1: hey the bright <sighs> the bright side of that though is they nuked everybody but one man
0: yeah yeah Ugh. all right whatever fuck it <laughs> you guys you guys got a uh... ryan yeah let's do it you got you got a guy
2: start us off i'm kind of going with new year's tradition this week um and I, something i kind of started new for the new year i'm i'm going to do another game this week, all right. Okay. All right. So tonight we're gonna talk about the greatest comeback in a playoff game in NFL history. Not the greatest comeback in NFL history because that happened uh two seasons ago during the regular season when Kirk Cousins came back. I can't were they playing the Colts and they came back like 39 to 36 or something like that. We
0: do you they remember down... we we were recording live as that game happened. Do you remember that?
2: that's right oh my god that is right (laughs) hell yeah i totally forgot about that uh so this week we're going to talk about the 1992-93 playoffs uh when the buffalo bills overcame a 35 to 3 deficit and beat the houston oilers uh 41 to 38 in overtime uh as i said that is the biggest playoff comeback in nfl history so let's see. Before that there was a game where actually Buffalo was playing the Broncos and came back to a 38 to 38 tie in 1960. That was a 38 to 7 deficit. Okay. But this was a 35 to 3 deficit. The Houston Oilers' uh quarterback Warren Moon was out f- for like 5 games like before this playoff game. So no one really with an injury, no one really knew how he was going to fare. In, in this game and sure enough he came out and the in the first quarter or first half, the Houston Oilers time of possession was over 21 minutes. although the first quarter was like super slow uh there was after the first quarter it was uh seven to se- seven to three. then Houston started pouring it on in the second quarter yet they got three more touchdowns to make it 28 to three to end the half. Uh oh. Uh, let's yeah, let's see. Um, right off the bat, there was a Houston fifty-eight yard interception return to begin the second half, make it thirty-five to three. And then here's where, you know, Buffalo just starts kicking ass and coming back. The next possession was a, a one yard run by Davis to make it thirty-five to ten. Then we had Don Beebe catching a thirty-eight yard pass, uh, from Reich to make it thirty-five to seventeen. Former podcast subject, yep. Uh, then we had uh, Reed catch a twenty-six yard pass from Reich, uh to make it thirty-five to twenty-four. And then we had Reed catch another thirty-eight yard pa- or eighteen yard pass uh, to make it thirty-five to thirty-one. This was in the third quarter. Okay, yeah. So they got four touchdowns in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter. Reed got another 17 yard pass to make it 35 to 38. All right. And then Houston kicked a field goal to make it 38 to 38 to force this game to go into overtime. In overtime, Houston won uh, the coin toss. All right. And it was not um, a good drive for Warren Moon because in that drive, uh, there was a pick six. Yeah. Was it a pick six? No, no, it was an interception and it got run back and then Buffalo drove down and kicked the winning field goal to win the game 41 to 38, Um, a 32-yard field goal. Uh, Shorty. Right. This was a crazy game. You know, you also, you
0: know who else played in this game, Ryan, was a guy that you did, Webster Slaughter. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And Jim Kelly was in the one that I did on the nineteen eighty three NFL draft. He was one of those guys that was drafted. Um, and Frank Reich, who Waleed is like, he should be the offensive coordinator for the Bears. Uh, no, how about no?
1: Right? You mean the guy who's been fired three times the last three years? Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, he'd be, he'd be a great fit.
2: <laughs> so here's a little like snippet about like the game because initially, like um, many. Many people like started leaving the stadium uh, because they were thinking, you know, shit, 35 to three or whatever, we're definitely not going to win this game. The Bills were seeing so many empty seats and in the third quarter uh, saw an even bigger wave of people leaving. That was after right off the bat, they had that Houston caught that 38 yard interception return touchdown. People just started leaving in droves fans returned uh, when they heard on the radio of of the starting of the Bills comeback um but their tickets didn't permit re-entry yeah um <laughs> so basically this was the early 90s people just started like jumping the fence and getting back into the game any 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 way they could and it was just this game lives in buffalo like lore as their like ice bowl as their this is like the game everyone remembers if you're a buffalo fan so that is the greatest comeback in nfl postseason history 35 to 3 deficit bills win 41 to 38 uh and then lose uh the following week <laughs> uh, in the playoffs 1993 january
0: 1993 there you go all right Shane, you want to go next? Yeah. Bring it on.
1: So since we're in playoff time, as well as a big coaching upheaval, I happen to stumble upon a guy who has either played or coached on a majority of the teams that require a new head coach or are in the playoffs this year. So I know Walker said, no more white boys <laughs> 2024, but, but I got a white boy who played running back and fullback from 1953 to 1963 and who coached from 1964 to 1996 with Lou Carpenter.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. So Lou was, Lou was born in, in Haiti, Missouri to Verba Glenn and Edna Earl, which all seemed (laughs) to be really, really poorly uh, done AI generated
0: names.
1: (laughs) And Lou was so old that his football league in high school was a six person team. Jesus. So he went to the university of, uh, of Arkansas. Sorry. And while he was a razorback razorback, he had that old time grit and basically played every single position. He played running back, fullback wide receiver, tight end, and backup quarterback. So he basically was like the ultimate fantasy football of pure homogenization of Cordell Patterson and Taysom Hill bullshit. Yes, he's Taysom Hill. Yeah. So he managed to letter in uh, basketball and baseball during this time as well as lettering in football. And he would go on to play one season in the B leagues before being offered a contract to play in the NFL. So again, Lou would go multi-position and he would play defensive back, fullback, and running back when he was drafted by the Lions, who are a playoff team, shout out Walker in 1953 in the 8th round at the 97th pick overall. On his very first snap, he returned a 73-yard interception for a touchdown.
0: Yeah!
1: So for the next three seasons, he'd primarily play running back, where he would be on the 1953 World Championship team, and during his three years as a Lion, he would rush for just over 1,000 yards, have 450 receiving yards, and a total of 14 touchdowns. So not like great by today's standards, but for kind of a, a journeyman guy, pretty decent.
0: Those are Jamal Williams numbers. Yes, sir.
1: Hey, dude, shout out the Saints. We'll talk about that later.
0: That ruled so hard.
1: (laughs) So he would end up being drafted in 56 by the Army and returned to the NFL where he would be traded to the Browns, another playoff team, and play with his brother Preston Carpenter. Unfortunately for Lou, in 1957, the Browns drafted future GOAT Jim Brown, and he would relegate Lou to just 83 attempts in two two years on the team. In 59... Lombardi would trade for Carpenter and help the Packers win two World Championships. I'm going to keep this pre- this Packers section brief because I don't want to trigger you guys.
2: Oh no, I'm pissed. <laughs> we can, nah, we can, we can cut it out
1: and post. <laughs> that's,
0: fair. that's
1: fair. I have we have another 45 minute shade segment that's just going to get booted. So on the first play of the game, the Packers would run basically the first time they'd run a bootleg uh, under this new offense, where Lou would be wide open in the end zone, but he would pull a Kansas City receiver ability. Of dropping the ball in the end zone, um, the defense would analyze him as a threat for the whole game, but he would end up being used as a decoy the whole, a decoy the whole time. So ultimately, he would retire in 1963 with a tenured a ten year career with the stats of just over 2,000 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns on 468 carries, along with 87 passes for seven hundred seven catches for 782 yards. Okay. So Lou on Lou would go on to be an assistant coach basically everywhere. He was an assistant coach on the, for the Vikings. He was one of the first coaches for the newly franchised Atlanta Falcons, who need a new coach now. He would also basically ride Lombardi's coattails for the season where he'd go to the then Red the then Redskins, who need a new coach this year. He then jumped to the Cardinals. And during this time period, the Cardinals were based in St. Louis as well. And the, the Cardinals in football had the nicknames such as the Football Cardinals, Big Red, Gridbirds, Cardiac, Cardiac Cards, so they wouldn't be confused with the baseball team. He would then bounce to the Houston Oilers, who need a new coach and uh, are in the playoffs based on how you want to slice it, based on locality. He would then go back to Green Bay, who are in the playoffs. He would coach for Detroit, who are in the playoffs. He'd coach in Philly, who are in the playoffs and potentially might need a new coach if they lose on Sunday. And then at the end of his career, Lou would go on to coach at Southwest Texas State, Frankfurt Galaxy, and the World League of American Football, The the Ohio Cannon of the Regional Football League, San Antonio Matadors of the Spring Football League, and finally the Cincinnati Marshals of the Indoor National Football League in 2005. Yeah. Lou finally retired after 47 years of playing and coaching. In 2010, he passed away and donated his brain to science and determined that he had advanced CTE. That's the long tenure of Lou Carpenter.
0: Lou. I wonder, they must have called him Sweet Lou at some point, right? Uh, Yeah,
1: I'm sure he had a bunch of nicknames. Diamond Lou diamond Lou. <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. I got, uh, I got some, I got a fun one today. Um, I wanted to point out, I was looking for topics and then I remembered and I thought about something and it struck my mind and, and I looked it up and guess what? Guess what happened on November 5th of last year? You give up. I bet you do.
2: 2023. Yes. Okay.
0: The Hanshin Tigers won the Japanese Cup thereby breaking the curse of the colonel fuck yeah what
2: oh hell yeah that's what we talked about mm-hmm. earlier yeah
0: yep so the curse of the colonel is fucking donezo so shout out to the tigers um i hope they threw a statue of something else in the <laughs> fucking water <laughs> so so as i saw that it got me thinking about curse teams curse seasons And since one of the other ones, so I did that curse. And then I did the 92 Oilers team, which you just talked about, Ryan, as a cursed franchise team, cursed season. Um, I'm going to do my bit on a cursed team this week, the 1976 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ooh, back when they had those cool uniforms. Yeah, the creamsicle ones. Yeah. Yeah. So this was their expansion season. Uh, They were the team with the worst point differential in NFL history still really? to this day
1: i think i covered their coach at that time at one point
0: obviously. uh-huh we're going to we're going to talk about some coach <laughs> quotes real quick we're, we'll end with some coach quotes um their their season their final point differential was minus 276 you what in in 14 games so that's an average margin of defeat of 19.7 points
2: yeah
0: let's talk about how we got there when the bucks joined the league they had an expansion draft alongside the other new team, the Seattle Seahawks, who also joined this year. Each team selected 39 players from other teams, and all of those teams for the expansion draft were allowed to protect 29 of their 40 players. Okay. Uh, you could probably guess that the 11 players that each team let them choose from were not their best. So each of these teams sucked. The Buccaneers didn't win a game, and the Seahawks went 2-12. and 12. So after this... The league yeah. made it a, a lot easier for competitive like uh, expansion teams that they made it a point it was so bad. <laughs> All right, so Shane brought this up, but yeah, John McKay is a coaching legend from his time at USC. He was actually considered the inventor of the I-formation. Uh, he was the coach. Totally. Yeah, he was the coach of the Bucks. Um, So here's the thing about McKay that you may already know. He's a fucking jokester. He was really dismissive of that sense of like, respect that the, leave, the league gave itself, and he would just be like, look, it's football. He had this quote, you draw X's and O's on a blackboard and that's not so difficult. I can even do it with my left hand.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so people think that part of the ass whippings that they got were from coaches and players who felt slighted by the high-paid dude who came up from college and was just talking shit on their whole spot. And And the other teams showed it, too. Like, Denver ran a reverse on them while up 48 to 13.
2: Nice. The
0: Patriot the Patriots were up by 10 and called a timeout with like a minute left in the fourth quarter so that their quarterback could uh rush in a touchdown um to set the NFL record for quarterback rushing touchdowns on a season. Uh they 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 so people were running up the score on these guys on purpose. Um, they had drafted future Hall of Famer Leroy Selman with the first pick in the draft, but like literally everyone else on that team were fucking bums. And so you mix that with the old guys that they got in the expansion draft and it was just disaster. Their quarterback was actually future college coaching legend, Steve Spurrier, but, uh, he's famous as a coach because he was a bad quarterback. They could not find the field, uh, before their first game in Houston, they got lost walking through the, uh, stadium. They were shut out the first two weeks of the season. They didn't score a single point until the first quarter of week three. They did not score a touchdown until the fourth quarter of week four, and that was a defensive score. Wow. The offensive coordinator resigned after week five. Excellent. Their first touchdown pass was thrown by a running back. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, and it was against the Seahawks.
2: They had like a expansion team game. And I thought you were gonna say back in like 76 that it was against the rules for like a running back to throw. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like it's so funny though, because it looked like one of those like Derrick Henry
0: slash Tim Tebow touchdown passes. He's just a handoff up the middle, and he as he's yeah. getting tackled, he just sees a dude like a tight end just standing there and no one's around, and he like two arms shoves it towards the guy. And he caught it. <laughs> and that's the first passing touchdown in Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise history. So they so they scored granny style. Yes. And so that actually that expansion bowl game combined for 310 penalty yards. Oh my God. Damn. That is the most in the history of the league since the AFL NFL merger in 1970.
2: 310 yards, that's the record.
0: Damn! In a tie game against Denver, uh, linebacker Cal Peterson intercepted a pass and had nothing but space in front of him. The easy pick six actually results in Peterson suffering a career-ending non-contact knee injury on the return. Oh, just, no. Just that kind of fucking team. Um, the Jets scored 169 points in that season, but they scored 34 of those against the Bucks. Oh, wow. Okay, so I got a record for you. I know this is this is for Ryan because Ryan loves two things, NFL records and gambling. That's right. Um, the spread in their Week 13 game against Pittsburgh was minus 24. Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> uh, Pittsburgh, in an NFL game? That's like college shit. Pittsburgh won 42 to nothing, so they covered. Oh, my God. Um, of course they did. So this was the highest point spread in a game in NFL history until the 2013 Broncos were favored by 28 points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. However,
2: Uh, since
0: Pittsburgh covered and Denver didn't, this is the biggest point spread ever covered in NFL history. Damn. Yep. Only five players started all 14 games for the team that season when injuries hit the linebacking core particularly hard, they signed a former USC linebacker off the street, and since he didn't know the playbook, they were like, just go in there and blitz on every play.
2: <laughs>
0: um, the next year, the team went 2-12, and 12, which seems better, but they lost their first 12, which means that Tampa Bay lost their first 26 games as an NFL franchise. Oh my God in their second season the defense scored 3 touchdowns that year which is the same amount of passing touchdowns they had as a team free um, <laughs> um yes the That's it? It, in the second season the offense scored 7 total touchdowns in 14 games what and and they lost 30 fumbles and the team combined had 30 passes intercepted
2: what the hell i know so this is like rookie shit what is going on Right, so uh, we're going to end with some quotes from Coach
0: John McKay. Some of these will be repeats because we've covered him before because he's just too good to not talk about. He's one of the funniest motherfuckers I've ever heard. Um, So he heard about kicker Pete Rejiecki's nervousness at playing in front of McKay, and he said, quote, that's unfortunate as I plan on attending all the games. (laughs) At a post-game press conference, he told the media, you guys don't know the difference between a football and a bunch of bananas. Sometime between that week and the next week, some reporters thought it was funny to leave some bananas on his front doorstep. And so at the next press conference, he said, you guys don't know the difference between a football and a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Very like, like, take my wife boomer humor. But yeah, yeah, it's not good. offensive.
1: You know what I mean? It's not right.
0: like uh, I'm
1: razzing the group. It's like, nah, it's just a smart ass.
0: Um Uh, Someone commented that Steve Spurrier throws one of every three of his passes directly into the ground. He said, that's okay. We'll just get shorter receivers. (laughs) Um, He said, we've determined we can't win at home and we can't win on the road, so what we need is a neutral site. Uh, (laughs) We can't stop a pass or a run, otherwise we're in great shape. Well, we didn't block, but we made up for it by not tackling, which was wonderful. Um, When asked about comparing Tampa, coaching in Tampa to coaching at USC, he said, the biggest thing is that it's a three-hour time difference. And <laughs> and the classic, everyone knows this quote, when asked by a reporter, how do you feel about your offense's execution? He responded, I'm all for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you need to have a very certain sense of humor to, to coach a team that's that fucking bad. So that is the sure, 19- sure. That's the nineteen seventy six expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. That's they suck. Everybody, they're fucking terrible. Um, Accursed. Yeah. So we have no. We don't even need to break today, guys. I think we can just we can just do this damn thing and have some fun and talk about talk about the playoffs. We got the playoffs coming up. Shane, guide us through the light here. Talk to us about anything, anything and everything.
1: I'll just list the games and we can kind of freeform this. Let's do it. So, so tomorrow we have the Browns versus the Texans as well as the Dolphins versus the Chiefs and basically what's going to be every single person in that stadium getting frostbite. And then Sunday we have the Steelers versus Bills, which is also going to be a weather game. Then the, as well on Sunday we have Packers versus Cowboys, the Rams versus Lions, and Mondays we're going to or Monday we're going to have the shit show of the Eagles versus the Bucks. Okay. I don't know where we want to start. Okay. How vibes we're feeling? I'm excited. I think some of these games are going to be sick. I'm really excited for the Rams versus Lions game. I can't pick a team for that one. I I feel like every time I talk to myself about who I think I'm going to win, I talk myself out of it. So
0: what? Oh, so is that oh, is that your game of the week?
1: I think so. Yeah, because I I mean theoretically, like it should be a shootout, right? Like the Lions yeah. have a really bad secondary, and Matt Stafford likes to sling that motherfucker.
2: Right. Oh, um, I feel and like then, that's
1: that's my game of the week too. And Detroit has a really good run defense, and if they can't if the Rams can't establish the run, it's it's just gonna be interesting.
0: Which teams are actually like the way they looked at the end of the season, and which teams do we think are gonna revert back? Like is there a chance Philadelphia just pops back and is like, oh no wait, you know what? We were just kind of relaxing. We're good again. If they
1: had a healthy AJ Brown and a healthy jalen hurts i'd say potentially but hurts was not at practice for a couple of days or not yeah hurts practice but a glove and he hasn't thrown a football for like a week and then aj brown was like not at practice so right baker's power comes from doubt so i think we have to manifest the eagles win just so we can see the funniest shit ever of nick sirianni getting fired
2: that would be awesome <laughs> i i honestly am believing the the other narrative where i think uh like you said i I'm taking Tampa to win this week. I think it's going Me to be too. a close game, and uh, I think the way Baker looked last week when he got you know chest or it was like a rib and a, what was it shoulder or maybe no ankle injury. I think he sh- and he's going to have that extra day of rest because he didn't play till Monday. I think he's going to do really good, and I just feel like the narrative is like everyone thought. That Tampa wouldn't do shit this year and Bakers are gonna come out and prove them wrong and get to the next round of the playoffs.
1: Especially and...
2: for a team that everybody bet making on the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Yep. Baker Mayfield's gonna be on his Tom Brady arc, dude.
0: The game sure. that the or game, that, Manning, sorry. The game that blows my mind, the game that I almost don't wanna happen because I don't know, like, look, I'm I'm a CJ Stroud guy. I love CJ Stroud. I don't think, I don't think Houston wins.
1: No, I think that defense is way too strong. And that offensive line is so mediocre that that pass rush is just going to crush him. Even though he, he is mobile and he can move. I think that team is just not at that point yet. Like they, they deserve all the flowers in the world for getting shit on us thinking that was a, a death landing spot for CJ Stroud to make the playoffs. Right? Like that's, to turn it around of having two first round picks and be like, Hey, we're a strong contender because if they played the chiefs, I think they could beat the chiefs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think the Browns, I think there's a chance the Browns win two playoff games this year. I
1: think it's, I think it's AFC North showdown in the
2: finals. Yeah. Oh,
0: Browns Ravens.
2: Yeah. Damn. Sick rivalry. Uh, that I, I think that, the way Flacco has looked, like what was it week seventeen, right? When Njoku just had like, you know, a thousand yards. Um <laughs> he I think decimated that, the Jets defense. Yeah, yeah. I against yeah, against Sauce. That that connection's gonna happen again. One of my top five bets of the week is Njoku's over on yards. It's only at what well, where did it's I get it at fifty it's fifty six and a half. Yeah, that seems like nothing. That's two yeah. catches for him. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> well Houston uh, Houston can get beat by tight ends they have been beat by tight ends yeah and he's sure. his number
1: one target so I mean I don't know we don't know the health of Amari Cooper but I, the, the Joe Flacco doesn't need to do much
0: but he yeah. can you know yeah, and that's, that's the thing yeah so that's the game that I don't want to watch because it's gonna and break th- my heart
1: and I think the yeah. football gods are cruel enough to give Deshaun Watson a Super Bowl ring like backhandedly, right? Of like he didn't actually do it, but it's on his fucking Wikipedia page because the football gods sure. are cruel. Uh-huh. Um, the game, the game I don't want to watch is the Green Bay Packers versus the Cowboys because it's gonna be a as, blowout. As much as we expect the Cowboys to just steamroll that team, Mike McCarthy bullshit happens in the playoffs, and I don't know. I'm I'm a tangential based on association. Bears fan, so I know like yeah. the the ugly shit's gonna happen, right? Yeah,
2: I I think uh, everything everything weird happens in the playoffs, and the Cowboys are definitely yeah. cursed in the playoffs.
0: I think that Sorry. that no, I think that game has a chance to be. I don't know, like I I did a a bet on every game for for the website, and I actually like the line is at seven even, and I actually took it down to six and a half because I think this game ends up you know, uh, 28, 21. Yeah. Um, but I also think it's a game that ends up 28, 21 because Dallas has been up for 28 to four, 20 to 14 for two quarters and green Bay scores one closer to the end. Cause yeah, like you're, you're right. Left. There is some Mike McCarthy shit going on. And that's the same reason why I took Pittsburgh to cover nine and a half against Buffalo because Josh Allen is gonna himbo Josh Allen like he's gonna do the stupid thing. It's gonna does. be him
2: against him against himself in that game, yeah. I I like the run game in that game because it's gonna be cold and uh I even like Harris's line and I like James Cook. I think James Cook for sure because he's gonna get a bunch of carries and if they if they go up by two, three touchdowns, then it's just even better for him. Uh Harris's narrative is his only I think 56 and a half or maybe 60. James Cook is at 66 and a half. He'll get that. But I even like Harris, just the way he looked the last the last uh, few weeks where he's definitely taken over the lead back role in that game. They're going to rely on him. I know Buffalo's defense is, you know, top 10 against the run in the league. But that's, that's their main weapon, and we know it's Coach Tomlin. He's going to try and I run just, the ball.
1: I feel that game is going to be the
2: lowest point scoring game. I think it's going to be like 14 to 6. Okay. I you know what, do we do we even know? Is all this weather we're getting in Chicago, is that pushing east to Buffalo? Like
0: they No, I get think that it's
2: going t- north. They had
1: I mean they showed the stadium of like the amount of snow they had. I don't know. And they talk about the wind chill factor. It's definitely not gonna be like the Kansas City Miami game where it's no. just gonna it's just gonna be a running game. Um and I think Miami's gonna get absolutely fucking ragdolled and it pisses me
0: off that the Chiefs are just basically getting a bye week. Well, I and the thing I like about the the Pittsburgh game is that like Pittsburgh and Buffalo are two teams that play in these conditions. Yeah. Miami doesn't Guys, play in these conditions. I no just looked up. Dude.
2: I just looked up the weather for Buffalo on Sunday. All right. Uh chance of snow, 60%, round one inch. So it's gonna be like flurring the whole game. But wind gusts of up to 40 miles an hour. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a run game for sure. Josh Allen. Uh, high of high of about 27.
0: Um, so that the game that I'm actually the least interested in is Kansas City, Miami. And that fucking sucks because like that should be the best game of yeah. the weekend.
2: You yeah, know what I mean? Paper, like at the beginning of the season, if we were all like sitting down, we're like, what game would you want to see in the playoffs? Kansas City, Miami? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Especially after the way their offenses uh, not not the Kansas City, but how Miami started. Yeah. um but uh yeah it's it's a shame that a lot of people are hurt and and yeah that's one of my favorite plays
0: of the week is Isaiah Pacheco uh rushing overs everywhere just because he's gonna get he should get 18 carries yeah, and and yeah. Miami is incredibly beat up um the thing that I wrote in the article is essentially like look, Mike McDaniel made a deal with the elder gods and said, I'll give you anything. If it means that Tua stays healthy for the entire season and mm-hmm. the, the injury gods came in to collect by just fucking up <laughs> everybody else on that roster.
2: Yeah. Well, we met him at the crossroads
0: in Canton. Exactly. <laughs> Canton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's the, uh, Mike McDaniel is the Robert Johnson of the NFL. Right. Um, so, I think so. Then what's the what's the sneaky game, guys? What's the game that we're expecting to just kind of be whatever that's going to
2: actually be fun?
1: I think I Browns Texans. Yeah, I think, I think that can, yeah that
2: it's that might have the potential to be like the most high scoring. Yeah, I think you,
1: um, it's just going to be kind of know. who who can keep pace. That's just what's going to
2: happen. As soon as someone fucks up a drive, that's when it's over. Uh, I mean, I I really you know I'm going with Detroit. I think that that's gonna be an awesome game as well. Uh so I've got so I've got Nakua I'm, over five and a half receptions. I got Amon Raz over Gibbs' is receiving over with Laporta probably not gonna play. Uh 19 and a half yards, that seems easily smashable. Another team
1: too that deserves their flowers is the Rams, right? Like we have Ryan and I's two least favorite teams in our process, and here we are. Playoff teams. Yeah.
0: Um yep. So the other side of so the third Walker Kelly shout out on this episode. Um, <laughs> their their two uh things that they have are, you know, the the Bozo meter, which we've talked about several times, but the other one that they came up with is the chaos meter. And I think we have Buffalo is a team that's always high on the chaos meter. Yeah, because yeah. Josh on does dumb shit. Um the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, absolutely a chaos meter team. Sure, and I also believe that um, Cleveland. Cleveland has some games that you're like, remember that game against the Colts that was like thirty nine to thirty three or some shit like that. Yeah, like the Browns get into some weird ass games. So so I think this is. I'm really glad that that this is how the playoffs shook out because this is a really good slate of games there's a couple that i'm not sure about and that's really what else could you ask for right yep
2: all Right. all right it, before there's there'll be real fun games to watch that's for sure i'm excited yeah before we do our award show
0: let's talk a little bit about head coaches bill belichick's gone guys dude end, end of he's an going era.
2: the he's going to the chargers stop it
0: he got
1: fired. Okay, can we talk about how Jameis is the NFL MVP of the year for going fucking rogue and being like, we're racking this score up? Fuck this team. I'm not coming back anyways, so who
0: gives a shit? Let's give Jamal Williams a touchdown. That rule. How how does Dennis Allen still have a job? He doesn't. You I think, think they're going to can him?
1: He lost no, the locker he's, room. He's gone. That, that whole team told him, fuck off.
0: We don't care about you. We don't care about your rules. I... Yeah. Do you who? Okay. So, my here's my question Who suggested it first? Was it Jameis in the huddle? Probably. Because you know that that dude has like the wildest th- thoughts, right? Of like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if we did this? Yeah. I wish that he was like an easier human being to root for because yeah. he's so fucking funny and yeah. so stupid. And like, I loved the fact that he got arrested for stealing crab legs from a Publix. I think that's fucking <laughs> awesome. But the other stuff, not, not so much.
1: Yeah, that's not good.
0: Um, but yeah,
1: I, I think definitely he's the one who pushed that narrative. And for and like he said, what's the difference? It's like f- 38 or 41 to 17. What's fucking seven more points? Who cares? Right? You're already getting your ass beat.
0: It was great to see Arthur Smith get that and then get fired. And absolutely piss his pants on the field. Oh man, he was so pissed. That was wonderful.
2: Oh, that that video was like <laughs> like a child having a tantrum.
0: <laughs> I don't care that coaches and players don't give a fuck about fantasy sports. I know that. I'm not stupid. I like
1: I like that. I think that's good.
0: Right. Yeah. You shouldn't like you shouldn't feel bad for costing me money. No, Never.
1: you're trying to get you're trying to get paid as a professional. Good
0: for you. Right. Right. And so the so I don't care that Arthur Smith thinks fantasy players are fucking idiots. Like it's that he's so like, I'm the smartest person in the room. And I hate when that you, shit no matter who it comes from.
1: Especially when you draft three players in the top eight and
0: you do not utilize them how they should be used
1: to I don't know, win your fucking
0: division. Right. <sighs> There's no reason why the Atlanta Falcons should have lost that division. No, absolutely not. What a fucking terrible terrible coach uh who and else went chico chico went right ron Ch- rivera Oh, okay no ron rivera has I mean, gone
1: we knew that was gonna happen though like from day one yeah. we're like they got a new yeah. gm he, he this team's gonna suck hey tony didn't you say they were not a five win team when we covered our teams washington
0: yep yeah hell yeah baby they're fucking terrible and they're four and 13 yep they're fucking bad and and it's because they have no consistency anywhere. They have wonderful skill position players. They had Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the same defense with Jonathan Allen, and they couldn't generate a pass rush. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like, hey, look, I know we got Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Thomas, and Manny Ramirez, but we're only scoring one run a game. Maybe you're the problem. Yeah. yeah. I, is but when,
1: that... well? Okay. when your coach doesn't know you're in the playoff bubble and he's like, you know what we should do? Put in Carson Wentz who we benched. Cause he was ass, right? Taylor Heineken ain't shit, but like, at least the dude gives you a chance where Carson Wentz gave them no chance, or that should have been the first indication to be like, this guy doesn't know shit.
0: Who else got canned?
2: Uh, Pete Carroll Mike left. Pete Carroll, but he's probably going to stay. Both uh, uh, bears off coordinators. They like nuked that whole department. Yeah. I am surprised. surprised. Surprised they kept Avery
0: Fluce. I'm not convinced of anything anymore. And my official stance as a Bears fan is if they keep Justin Fields, I'll be like, hell yeah, that means that you're getting a bunch of cool picks to build around Justin Fields. And if they draft Caleb Williams, I'll be like, hell yeah, this guy might be really fucking good. Like at this point, I just want to see my team like leave the the trenches of mediocrity and like be cool and fun i don't care how we get there
1: do you want something you you just don't want to be the punchline, right where yeah
0: um
1: i feel like Chargers are like that we're just going to be the last in the conference again next year um because i don't know what the raiders are doing i know the team is basically saying like hey we're just gonna fucking strike if you guys don't hire our current pier or pierce as our head coach yeah. Um, even if he's a transitionary Ooh. guy, I think to build that culture back up and like get fans back in the stadium to make people care is kind of more important than like actually winning, even though Casey's like falling apart, like I don't know. I, I think it's it's
2: better for morale, right? You think yeah, you think Bel- you think Belichick could go to Vegas? I I think it's too warm. He can't everybody. wear he can't wear his
1: sleeveless uh sweatshirts, no more hoodie. Um, I don't fit. I don't think he fits the culture there. I don't think the the Patriot way comes to Vegas and does well. No, Especially no way. You know that fucker would be pissed if everybody's smoking cigars in the the locker room.
2: <laughs> well, my, Mike
1: Mike Vrabel got fired too.
2: Ugh,
0: that yeah. was a shocker. That, yeah, that's that's the, right. that's the stupidest one. I'm Absolutely. sorry. Yeah. Like that team has yeah. consistently punched above its weight the entire time
2: and his overall win record was like with the titans was over 60%. Mm-hmm. Like and that 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 shocked me as well. Uh I did not see that. It's like hey, you had you know one really bad season and then, you know, with literally but, nobody. It, you know what I mean? Their, their team is yeah, so parent
1: right. and they're like they still upset teams and they it's 6 and 11. That's not
2: bad, right? No oh, with a team that depleted? Right. And it could I also would, just be that they want a complete overhaul because they probably yeah. know Derrick Henry's not going to be there. They Doug just want to maybe mix things up, and Tannehill's not going to be there. I think well, it's you, also
1: the GM trying to be the smartest person in the room. Like It sucks they have Will Levis because I think they're a position where that GM could be like the Panthers, right? Of like I'm the smartest person in the room, I know what I'm doing, and I'm just going to fuck this all up.
0: I yeah. I think the, the – fortunately for Tennessee, which is – wrapped within a larger context of unfortunately your owner's an idiot. But fortunately for Tennessee, when you bring guys in, you sit them down, you shake hands, you look them in the eye, and you say, how do you make Will Levis a great quarterback? That's it. That's the whole interview. Like, talk for 45 minutes. Tell me everything you're going to do to make Will Levis a, I don't know, top 15 NFL quarterback. Drafting yeah, right. O line. <laughs> well, I mean and that's the thing, right? Is is you have Hopkins for one more year, which they should be trading him. Um you have Chigo Conquo as a decent building piece. You've got Tajay Spears as a decent building piece. I'm not gonna say anything about Traylon Burks either way. <laughs> um you have a decent defense, like it's Bad. not a it's not an unappealing job, but it's a you know, it's a home that needs you st- know, a new
1: roof. I still think that division right. is also kind of anybody's for the taking, right? Yeah. Like, I I know we're Houston believers, but, like, sophomore slump happens, an injury could happen, right? But, like, that division's pretty wide open as long as, like, the Jags keep Press Taylor employed, right? Like, <sighs> anybody can come in and strike hot again. It just, it's just going to take a little bit of magic and the right person. But I think Tennessee is, like, the, mo- the, the quickest route to repairing their system compared to like the Seahawks
0: it only makes sense to me if the Seahawks promote from within the organization if yeah. they don't and when they don't i'll be super confused yeah uh, um all right gentlemen i've i'm glad we've all shown up tonight with our with our bow ties on <laughs> because tonight is the first ever TH Fantasy Year End Celebration
2: Awards. All right, let's do this. Alright. Getting some uh, air horns there. Uh, I have a bunch
0: of um, award show music that I'm going to play. So, okay. our first award is the Rich Men North of Richmond Award, which is white. AKA Racist America's Favorite NFL Player of 2023. The nominees are Aaron Rodgers, Christian McCaffrey, Matthew Stafford, Nick Bosa, Kirk Cousins, or Hate Crimes Higby, Tyler Higby. (laughs) And the winner of the Rich Men North of Richmond Award is Aaron Rodgers. That one felt chalk. Yeah, that was pretty chalky with 55% of the vote, Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Dominant. All right. Next up, the 2022 James Robinson Award, a.k.a. the worst waiver wire pickup of the season award. The nominees are Daryl Henderson, Alec Pierce, Jaleel McLaughlin, Amari Di Mercado, Josh Kelly, and Jake Bobo. And Man. the winner of the 2022 James Robinson Award is Amari Di Mercado. Yeah, uh, that was a, that was a full trap. Straight up. That was I feel bad for that guy because he did not want the smoke. No. The smoke was put upon him. Yeah, that was,
1: that was trying to make James Conner happen again. And he's like, hey, I'm just trying to get
0: paid. Right. Um, let's see. So that was 50%. Amari DiMarcado got 50% of the vote. The other two highest vote-getters were Jaleel McLaughlin and Daryl Henderson. This next one was actually one of our tightest races. It is the, Ryan, the first annual Ryan Edgecombe Honorary Shut It Down Award. So this there award is given to the player who is most likely to run a bar that will be on bar rescue after they retire from the league.
2: So this one goes out to John Taffer.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> who's Who insists that his show is not scripted in any way whatsoever, even though everyone um, who's been on it is like, yeah, this shit's the- scripted as hell.
2: The winner of this award also wins a year subscription to uh, Partender. Uh, so, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, the app service for POS sale or whatever.
2: Yep. All right. Keep all track right.
0: Of your looker. Here we go. The nominees are Tyreek Hill, Sam Howell, either Saint Brown wide receiver, Josh Allen, Micah Parsons, Taylor Heineke, or Robert Tunyon. <laughs> waleed clearly used the write-in option and the winner of the shut it down award is everyone's favorite himbo josh allen oh uh, robert Tunya was me i wrote that one in that was you (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say that shit he might be on the air in the next couple seasons at this rate good god yeah Yeah. uh who was second sam howell was second with 25 percent He's so, going to be
1: working out a fucking Buffalo Wild
0: Wings, like, next year. Yep. Uh-huh. All right. Our next award is the I.K. Enem Kapali Award, who is the current NFL player most likely to punch out his starting quarterback in 2024. If you'll recall, uh, this is named after the guy that punched Geno Smith in the face and broke his jaw. So, fun stuff. That's right. The nominees are George Pickens, Stefan Diggs, A.J. Brown, or any current Seattle Seahawk, hmm. And the winner is... It's George Pickens. Come on. You know, come on. And
1: what's funny about that is Deontay was the one who was rumored to punch Kenny Pickett in the face.
0: Yep. And I, it's... George Pickens, like, during the draft process, I said he was the wide receiver most likely to punch Marshawn Lattimore in the face. <laughs> so... It could could go either way. Yeah. All right. The next award is the Wahlberg Award because if he was on those planes, it wouldn't have gone down the way it did. The nominees are Aaron Donald, Khalil Mack, Derek Henry, Zach Charbonnet, and Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers is going to cough on someone. Um, And the winner is... Derek Henry Derek Henry wow. is the one most likely according to our esteemed voters to have bulldozed through that door and prevented 9/11 from happening.
2: I think people misinterpreted that. <laughs> if he was on United 93, oh my god, that wouldn't yeah, that, that, that wouldn't
1: have, that wouldn't have happened, but the context that I took it as of oh,
0: blow blowhard. Not Derek Henry. Derek Henry's on a blowhard. That's true. That's very true. I, I think, you know what? That's the thing about these awards. They're so subjective, right? That's true. I mean, the people yeah. voted, that's democracy. Yep. That's right. All right. We've got three more awards here. The next award is called the My Dad Founded FedEx Award, which is the most effective goal line player of the year. The nominees are Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and John U. Smith. And the winner... For the most effective goal line player of the year is Janu Smith with seventy five percent of the yeah. votes. That is right, Janu Smith. One, this one with the largest margin of any votes in any of the categories. It's a runaway. Oh, holy crap. Falcon.
1: We're Falcons enjoyers. We know, we know who's good on that team.
0: Our voters, no ball. Absolutely. There we go. All right. Here we go. This is a, another slander award. This is the Agent 89 award. Which current wide receiver does Steve Smith also describe as a tier three? but only when nobody else is around. We have a a, we have a lot of write-ins here. Yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> All right. The nominees are T. Higgins, Devontae Smith, D.K. Metcalf, Puka Nakua, Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson, Still Jerry Judy, and DJ <laughs> Moore. The winner of the Agent 89 Award is t higgins with 40 oh, percent of the vote
2: not who i thought who was your favorite i think i wrote in dj Moore. i can't, I can't remember believe what you, i wrote in for it
0: i can't believe you would say that <laughs> uh second second place was dk metcalf see for spreading the gospel i i believe it all right and the last and most prestigious award of the 2023-2024 TH Fantasy Year-End Celebration Awards, the Joe Horn Achievement Award for Best Celebration. The nominees are Any White Patriots player trying to gritty? (laughs) Dolphins players on the roller coaster? Stone Cold Stefan Diggs? The Minnesota Vikings keg stand? Any Zay Flowers celebration? Tommy DeVito's uh, Italian thing and I'm on raw humping. <laughs> that one got me. Uh, and the winner actually in the, one of the closest polls of the night is the Dolphins players on the roller coaster with 25% of the votes. Well he's done. Gone. Yeah, where they, they put them all in, they buckle them in and they do the things. And
1: I, I did forget to write in. I don't know how I forgot this, but DK Metcalf learning how to sign that he's people's dad it's like oh yeah king of shit talk so that's 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 honorary for it
0: yeah that's next level maybe next year it'll be the dk metcalf sign language award (laughs) um all right so thank you guys now let's let's go celebrate but before we do ryan
2: why don't we take a trip guys we're going to great white north again yes (laughs) all right we're going to the capital of Canada. All right, guys. We're going to Ottawa, Toronto, Canada. Sorry, Ontario, Canada. That's <laughs> <Not> right. <Toronto. laughs> hey, you have to you have to fly into Toronto to get to Ottawa. So I'm I'm not from the country. I just <laughs> live less than 500 miles from there. So I mean, all right. So capital city. Uh, it is surprisingly not the largest city in terms of population, but they do have over a million residents. I think it's like. The third or the fourth, uh, something like that. It is actually the seventh coldest capital city in the world. And some of those are pretty far, pretty far north. Um, Also, there's one in like Mongolia, the capital of Mongolia. It's pretty cold. Um, But this comes in at seventh in terms of average um, temperature. And since we're in Canada, that's in Celsius, not Fahrenheit. So, it's
1: the coldest weather I've been in. So Gen- that, January in Ottawa.
2: Oh, really? Yep. That was the first time um, I was ever
1: in snow. I was like, wow, this is really pretty. And then I got oh, really?
2: flurry. And I was like, you can keep this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I always have to do the conversions because uh, I had to do this for when I did Winnipeg too. Because everything that they talk about is all in the metric system. So uh, Ottawa, their native uh, Indians were the Algonquin Indians. The Algonquin area is a... Is a area in Ontario, where all these um, Indigenous tribes lived along the Great Lakes. Um, they are home to the um, the Rough Riders, uh, the Blackjacks, the Senators, the Titans, the Red Blacks. One of those is a CFL team. Uh, two of those are two or three of those are like minor league hockey teams. Obviously, hockey is a mainstay in the city. So when we get to people from the city, there's a lot of famous hockey players. Oh, sure. Um, some, of, some of them you will know. Some of them I really only know. Uh, but you'll know some of them. Only I know. <laughs> uh, so Queen Elizabeth uh, made this... Sorry, Queen Victoria uh chose ottawa as the capital in 1857 it was it was actually gonna there was it was like close up between toronto and uh quebec city but she chose ottawa because uh, it was a little further distance back from the u.s border in case of conflict god okay. forbid america invades canada you know yeah, they, felt sure. ter- they felt that they felt that toronto was too close to america so they wanted it set back a little bit further and put it on the Ottawa River. And that that's how, I mean, Ottawa's been there since the 1700s. It was a huge fur and um, hunting area, uh, big fur trade area though. That's basically how it got started. Um, did you guys know, all right, they have the largest tulip festival in the world, all right? And you so, want to know why? You want to know why? Because you know what the Netherlands is known for? Their tulips. Um, the Dutch have uh, an interesting tulip festival over there. And one of their princesses, uh, in 1943, uh, they had to flee German occupation and came to Canada. And so the heirs, the current king and queen from Netherlands, were in Ottawa, but they were ready to give birth to this princess, and in Dutch culture, you have to be born on that land in order to be made uh, a princess. So Ottawa and Canada came up with an area, it was like, I don't know, a 100 square foot area somewhere in the town where these people were like living, and it became sovereign Dutch territory, so when this child was born, outside of the country she could still become princess uh, or sorry queen later on in life
0: okay it
2: was kind of cool little story i found ottawa is a huge like uh they're they're very smart it has like it's got the largest population of scientists engineers and phds in all of canada 46 46 percent of um the population has a college degree that's like crazy yeah just a a bachelor's at least um uh in 1980 the first meningitis vaccine was developed uh by dr henry jennings uh in the city so thanks he got rid of the kissing disease uh tom cruise actually lived in ottawa in fourth and fifth grade with his family yeah. It's like another. I, the more and more I look up these cities, Tom Cruise like has lived in all of these cities, like at <laughs> least like a year or like three years. Like at some point in his life, he I don't know what his family did, but his, they were traveling all around the United States. I guess Ottawa now. The city of Ottawa actually has a tie to the Titanic. Did you know this? No. Um, the Chateau Laurier Hotel in Ottawa was being built uh, in 1912 and it was was being built before that but it was scheduled to be finished in middle uh, like June of 19 or May June 1912 but um, it actually opened 12 days after the Titanic sank which was in April the president of the hotel Melville Hayes was on the Titanic when it sank 12 days before his hotel was scheduled to be open. So he's said to actually haunt that hotel. I don't get how that works because in my ghost folklore language, it's mostly (laughs) spirits inhabit places where they die. Um, But I guess the connection to this hotel, people have said to seeing him and stuff like that. Just a little Ottawa ghost history for you. There you go. Uh, The first Bitcoin ATM was invented in Ottawa. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you guys know that no uh yeah my apes um <laughs> hey, you can't have an nft profile on twitter anymore my apes are gone um in 1982 queen elizabeth signed the constitution act and that made canada fully independent from england so yay for canada uh Woo. that's like their independence say Check out. um the last little thing I want to say uh, about um, Ottawa is they have this wonderful, delicious pastry, pastry that I found, and I I want to try one one day. I think the only, you probably could get them in other parts of Canada, but it's like famous like in Ottawa. It's called Beaver Tail, and it looks just like an oval flat pastry with like, like fruit or chocolate, or they get really inventive with stuff that they put on it. It's it's almost like an oblong Long John with shit sure. on top of it. Sure. It looks so good. I'm sure you probably maybe they probably have met Tim Hortons. I don't know. I've never <laughs> looked up the I've never intended on going to a Tim Hortons because they don't have them here. That's um, funny. but uh, let's talk about some people. Yes. All right.
0: Yes. Wait, can I point out that I found something that. Ottawa's one of their nicknames is O-Town I just want yeah, that
2: out yeah that's yeah. um we got some pretty famous people from this uh, town let's see start um, some lesser known people us Shane Smith uh, the co-founder of Vice Media is from Ottawa did you guys ever see the videos on YouTube of
0: the time Shane Smith smuggled a camera into North Korea I think so yeah. no it's really it's that- it's really Ryan. It's worth watching for sure. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all on YouTube. Oh yeah.
2: Um. All right. Let's start. Let's go. Some hockey players. We got Cody Cece. Um. Eric Eric Grumbinson. Yeah, Grumbinson. I said it. <laughs> it sounds made up, but it's it it's does. a great name. All hockey players are made uh, up. Yep. Randy Roby. Randy Robitaille. Here's a really interesting guy who I found is in the Canadian um, Football Hall of Fame. I just I saw his name and I was like, "Oh, this guy's this guy's pretty cool." Silver Quilty. (laughs) He was like in the in the early days, in like the 20s and 30s of the CFL. Um, Cool, but made it in the Hall of Fame. Let's see, Tom Green, famous comedian. Yeah. Everybody Um, got fingered. Yeah.
0: There was a time when he was the funniest
2: dude in America. He
0: was the guy.
2: Yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, that was like the late 90s, right? When he yeah. had the Tom Green show. Nothing
0: says like the economy's fine and no one's worried about anything than the fact that Tom Green
2: was the funniest guy in America. They're right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Sandra Oh from Grey's, Anat- Grey's Anatomy from Ottawa. Donald Lope. Um... Famous yeah. actor from, let's see, Sons of Anarchy, Grounded for Life, Grounded for Life, bro. Um, he, Blade. I think he wasn't he wasn't even one of like one of the Lord of the Rings movies too. I don't remember. Everyone's Grounded for Life,
0: those. Grounded for Life, so fucking underrated,
2: underrated. Hey, he was in Blade too, so. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. He was in Blade.
2: Yeah. Uh, let's see, um, someone who's. Uh, does almost nothing for a living. Um, we've got Dan Cantor, the lead guitarist for Justin Bieber. Good for him. Get paid. <laughs> There's a lot of guitar licks in those songs. You yeah. know. Oh yeah. Bill Kelly, the NHL Hall of Fame scoring champion from 1941. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We've got Sarah Chuck, actress from. Oh, she's the she's the um, blonde chick from Scrubs. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Yep, uh, Elijah Kuthbert, actress, uh, also married to like hockey, hockey player. Um, Alanis Morissette is nice. from Ottawa. Yeah, dude, Born jagged little, pill, jagged little pill is an
0: incredible record. Yeah, like, great, great first record. Hang on, I want to see how many. There were six fucking singles off that album. Oh yeah, dude. i the g- Tom Green of alternative. <laughs> <classics>. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm just gonna list the singles real quick because you're gonna know all of them. You ought to know, obviously. Written yep. about the dude from uh, Full House. Dave Coulier. Yep. yep. Remember you Learn, classic. Um, yep. Hand in my pocket, another banger. Oh okay. god. Yep. Ironic was on that record. Oh god. And so was Head Over Feet. Remember Head Over Feet? Yep. Yep. And and the last single was All I Really Want. Yeah yeah. Yeah. The the first single was released July sixth, ninety five, and the last single was released November twenty fifth, ninety six. So she had a year and a half of just bangers. Right. Um yeah, oh they, my God.
2: They really no, just that, saw it right?
0: You ought to know, Flee from the Red Hat Chili Peppers plays
2: bass on that. Makes sense. He plays like celebrity guest bass on a lot of people's albums. And Dave Navarro He's... played guitar. Of course he did. Yeah, <laughs> I should have figured that. <laughs> uh, remember when he was in the Chili Peppers for like one album? Yes. And then they kicked him out. <laughs> <laughs> Even the Chili Peppers couldn't handle him. Yeah, no shit, right? <laughs> uh, Jay Baruchel, uh, actor, you know, one of the guys that um, was friends with Seth Rogen and stuff like that. He's in uh, My end. Favorite Character. Yeah, this yep. is the end. My Favorite Character that he plays is from Goon when he plays, you know, Stifler's <laughs> best friend. And he's yeah. playing that radio show.
0: 69! Yeah, uh... <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh uh, really famous comedian Norm MacDonald yeah uh, passed passed away in the last few years uh, great comedian um, but uh, let's see and me and Tony's world maybe the post the most important person from Ottawa the um, f- former lead singer of Guar who died in 2014 of a heroin overdose uh, Dave Brooke
0: Dave, Dave, Dave Rocky Brock. Did Rocky. Yeah. Um one time I worked for Guar two times and they were awesome. I've told stories about that before. Um The first time I worked for them, you have to like load all their shit up, and they have huge costumes. And he had like a baby. Like a you know, a fucking plastic baby doll that had just like giant vagina dentata. And I was like yeah. Hey man, where do you want me? To, like, where do you want me to put this? You know, like what road case or whatever. And he was out of costume, just hanging out, and he was like, "In your mother." And I was
2: like, <laughs> "Sick, sick." They were so nice. If you guys aren't familiar with Guar too, there's like, it's a whole theme. It's a whole crazy show, and like the whole the whole backstory of about um, the lead singer's character too is crazy. It's like reading uh, <laughs> like how Scientology works. You know, it's like. Lord Zenu came down from whatever and, <laughs> you know it's 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 crazy how intricate and and the backstory that they made up for all these characters it's just look them up if you want to re- have an interesting read about an interesting band
0: Ryan and I uh, saw war we saw war together it's awesome
2: they have they have blood sprayers during live shows and they spray down the audience you know uh, so like one time I saw him we purposely wore white shirts so like when we left, like we're walking down the streets because so we saw him at Dirty Nelly's, I think, in Palatine. And yep. we were walking down the streets and it was funny, just I don't know if anyone asked us, but if you would have saw us, you would have been like, Wait, what the fuck's going on? Like <laughs> these people are covered in blood.
0: Remember when we uh, do you remember when we got there we parked on the top floor of that parking garage so we could smoke a bunch of weed and not get hassled
2: and, th- <laughs> and there yeah. were
0: these dudes up there that were like we've been blasting music up here getting drunk for hours and our car battery's dead can you jump it for us <laughs> and Jason jumped it and they gave us like a 30 rack of beer oh yeah, yeah that's right that was fucking awesome, hell yeah Dave Brockie, rest in peace man Yeah, but that's uh capital of Canada Ottawa you, you know I got one, I got one for you
2: uh, oh, there's one a the, lot of people I left out, so, yeah.
0: One of the goats, uh, Margaret Atwood, one of the best uh, writers of all time, period. Um, Handmaid's Tales, obviously the most popular, but Oryx and Crake is wonderful. Uh, Blind Assassin was weird, but good. And um, I didn't read Cat's Eye, but I wanted to point out so last year I taught um, a class called Monsters and Madness, and so we did Gothic lit. And then we did, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, whatever. And then we did like Southern Gothic, which is all focused on like the Southern U.S. And I found another genre from Margaret Atwood called Southern Ontario Gothic. (laughs) And it's its own type of Gothic lit, but it all takes place in fucking Canada. It's crazy. Really? Um, Yeah. Some of it's really fucking weird. And I mean, it's good. It's good writing, but obviously if you're a famous writer, you're not going to write awful. People are going to know because you're, you're good at what you do. But yeah, Southern Ontario Gothic was a trip reading a book about... Whatever, I'm, you don't care. Um, but yeah, that Margaret Atwood, she's a fucking legend. Cool. Um, all right. So that's 115, my friends. That was fun, as always. Always good to see you guys get together and during the snowpocalypse. Um, yeah. So... One last thing before we go. Who has the biggest game of the weekend? Like say we were playing fantasy, who's the guy that has the best day?
2: Specific player? Damn, that's a tough on the spot question. Uh, uh-huh. Shit. All right, I'll be bold and I'll go with a tight end and I think I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Njoku. Two touchdowns and 150 yards. Let's repeat that week 17 performance.
1: Sure. Shane. I don't think it's as much, but I think it's Puka. I think he's going to go for
0: over 101 touchdown. Okay. I'm going to go with CD lamb. That was my next guess. Yep. Pretty, pretty easy call. All right, guys. Well, enjoy the, enjoy the games. And by the time we see you guys next week, there'll be like half the amount of teams still playing. Woohoo! Yeah. All right, everyone. Good night. Don't get fired. Goodbye. Good football.